0: So today we're learning about a man called Joshua. But before we hear about him, I just want to explain where Joshua fits into God's story. So you remember you were looking at Genesis uh, not so long ago, weren't you? And uh, you may remember a man called Joseph. And Joseph had 10 older brothers and he had one younger brother and his older brothers hated him. And they did something really terrible. They sold Joseph into slavery. They sold him to a group of traveling merchants, a group of Midianites, and they carried Joseph off to Egypt. But God was with Joseph and eventually he became the second most important person in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Now it happened that Joseph's father and 11 brothers needed food because there was a great famine in the land. So Joseph's 10 older brothers went to Egypt in search of food. Who do you think, on the front row, but I may ask the adults as well, who do you think they met when they arrived in Egypt? Who do you think, Caitlin? They met with Joseph. They came across Joseph, who is now this really powerful and important person in Egypt and one thing led to another and in the end uh, Joseph uh, forgave his brothers for what they'd done to him and he had the whole family his whole family come and live with him in Egypt now Joseph's family grew and grew and grew and they became this uh, great people group known as Israel the Israelites Uh, but then uh, the pharaoh died and another Pharaoh came to power who made the Israelites his slaves. What does it mean to be a slave? You work for someone else without getting paid. That's what it was for the Israelites. They were doing all the really hard work, they weren't getting paid anything for it, they were being terribly treated. And God saw that his people were being unfairly treated, and he heard his people crying out to him. So he sent them a man named Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and free them from slavery. And God promised to give his people, the Israelites, uh, their own country, their own land where they could live as free people. You know that God always keeps his promises, right? So God led the people out of Egypt, and he led them right to the border, right to the edge of this land that he had promised to give them. They were right there. They were just about to enter in, and Moses sent 12 spies into the land to go and check it out, to see uh, what it was like in this place that they were going to enter into, what would they encounter in the promised land. So the spies came back, and they said, The land is wonderful. All sorts of things grow there that are good to eat. Uh, It's a great land, but the people who live there are powerful. And they live in these huge, fortified cities. In fact, they're so big and strong that we felt like grasshoppers next to them. Have you ever stood next to someone who was so big that they made you feel like a grasshopper? Well, that's how these Israelites felt. And you know, it was only two of the spies. So the twelve spies, and only two of them said, "God is with us. We can do this. We can enter the promised land." The other, and that was uh, Joshua and Caleb. But the other ten spies, they said, "We we can't do it. We can't defeat the Canaanites. They're too strong. They're too powerful. We need to get out of here." And the people of Israel got really scared, and they turned around and they went back the way they had come into. The desert. What do you think those people did for the next forty years? I'm forty-one, so that'll be most of my life. What do you think they did for that long period of time? What do you, what do you reckon, to, to They were slaves again back then. They weren't so much slaves again because they didn't go back to Egypt. They went back into the desert. But but it, it, you're close. What do you think the What do you think they did for the next 40 years? Any ideas, Caitlin? Made a town? They didn't make a town, actually. Do you know what they did? They just wandered around aimlessly in the desert for 40 years. Uh, They didn't have a home. They didn't have anywhere to settle. They just went from place to place until, in the end, Moses died. And God called Joshua, you know, that one of the two spies that said, we can do it, we can go into the land. God called Joshua to be the new leader of Israel. And not only that, but God told Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. They weren't going to wander around in the desert anymore. They had to go into the land that God had given them and face all these big, scary people, the Canaanites, that lived there. I mean, it was a huge responsibility for Joshua, wasn't it? I mean, I want you to imagine that you are on the Australian national soccer team. And we've got the women's team up there because they're actually doing much better than the men. Did you know that? The, the women's soccer team are sixth in the world, in the world ranking. Men are down at 40. So the women are doing a lot better here in Australia. Uh, um, but England aren't so great, so I can't uh, gloat too much. Anyway, imagine that you are on the, uh, the, the Australian soccer team. And your captain is the best soccer player in the world. And let's say you're running out onto the pitch to play in the football or soccer World Cup. And all of a sudden, the captain falls over, she twists her ankle, and she gets injured, and she can't play. Who do you think gets nominated? You're on this team, remember. Who do you think gets nominated as the new captain? Who do you think? I'm going to see. Who do you think? Have a guess. You're not sure. Who do, you, who do you think? Who do you think, Caitlin? Somebody who believes that in their team. Okay, someone who believes in their team. Who do you think, the second best. The second best. Well, let me tell you, the person that gets nominated to be the new team captain is you. You're the new captain. And everyone is looking at you to lead the team. How would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? nervous. If you're scared, you feel nervous, you might think, I can't do this. I'm not ready for this. And that may well have been how Joshua was feeling when he was made uh, the new leader of Israel. You know, in life, we will all have to do things that are hard. And God will call us to do things that are hard. In fact, God often calls us to do things that we don't think we can do. Have you ever been asked to do something that you didn't think you could do? Have a think for a minute. Adults as well. That's not one of you sitting there going to sleep on me. Have you ever been asked to do something that you didn't think you could do? Put your hand up if you've ever been asked. Everyone here thinks they could every time they've been asked to do anything in their whole life, they've said, yep, easy peasy, I can do that. Is that everyone here? No. So, what things have you been asked to do that you've you've you felt were really difficult that you couldn't do, to Anna? to rope us? A backflip. Okay. So, so a backflip. Yep. If someone asked me to do a backflip, I would be thinking, no, I can't do that. Anything else, Caitlin? Um, last year when I was going to do a handstand into a bridge. A handstand into a bridge. Okay, that's another tricky thing. No, that I can do it. you can do it now. Well that's a perfect example then. This is, I, um this is last year so I'm in grade 2 and the grade 3 helped me help me learn to do the head bridge. Wonderful. So someone helped you but at first you thought no way I can't do that but then you realized that you could. Anyone else? Anyone else? Stephen. Eat spinach. Eat spinach. <laughs> can you eat spinach? I can force myself. He can force himself now. Okay. So you thought you couldn't do it but really you can. And I think it's true of all of us in this room. At some point, we've said, I can't do it. And if we haven't thought those words or said those words out loud, we've at least all thought them, I think, haven't we? Uh, you, you've come up with some good examples of when you said, I, I couldn't do it. it. Might have been, uh, you know, as well when, when you're learning to ride a bike without training wheels it might seem like a long time ago to now, now, or, uh, when you were asked to stand up in front of the whole school and, and speak. That's quite a nerve wracking thing to do. Or, or maybe you've opened your homework on occasions and you said, I can't do it. And often with the things that God asks us to do, we say, I can't do it. God is calling every single one of us to be part of building his kingdom. Now, if we don't read or uh, read the Bible or pray, then it might be that we, we don't hear from God all that clearly. And so we can be oblivious to the fact that God is calling us to anything at all. We, we, we cannot realize that God is actually asking us to do something. But the more that we press in, the more we take our relationship with God seriously, the more we want to get to know him through Jesus, the more we begin to realize that God wants to use us to build his kingdom. And that's often when we say, I can't do it. And God could be calling you to any number of difficult things. Could be to share your faith with your work colleagues or your friends at school. Could be to invite a neighbour to church or to offer to pray with that person who you know is really uh, struggling. Could be to give generously and sacrificially. It could be uh, to take a risk, whatever it might be. Are we really going to keep coming up with reasons why we can't do what God is calling us to do? Now I need to caveat that because sometimes in the church we're asked to do things that we're not necessarily called to do or not necessarily called to do at this time. So we do need to be discerning. But we are all called to something. None of us are meant to be inactive Christians. We're all, uh, we, we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. We all have a job to do. And Israel were called to enter the promised land uh, but they got scared, didn't they? And they turned back. And what did they end up doing for the next 40 years? What did they end up doing? 40, 40 Just wandering around in the desert, uh, aimlessly achieving very little. So now Joshua must lead God's people to do the very thing that they were scared of doing before to cross over the Jordan River into the land of the Canaanites. Now, the Jordan River wasn't a huge obstacle in itself. Uh, in the overall scheme of things, even when it's in flood, it's a relatively small, muddy river and it can be crossed without too much difficulty. Uh, but this was a huge step of faith for Israel because as soon as they cross that river, it's like they're saying, yes, We're going for it. We are going to do what God is calling us to do. You see, Israel had to trust God's promises. And God made a lot of promises to Joshua and to Israel. We read about them in our passage this morning. All of them are really important promises. But I wonder if you can tell me which of these promises is the most important. So here are the promises that God made, or or the main ones anyway. God said to Joshua, I will give you every place where you lay your foot, as I promised Moses. So that was the first promise. The second promise, he says, your country will be very large. There'll be more than enough room for all of you to settle down. There'll be room for your flocks and your herds. There'll be plenty of space. That was his second promise. The third promise was no one will be able to stand against you. And the fourth promise we're looking at, God said, I will be with you. I will never leave you. Which of those promises do you think was the most important? I've gone to Roper. Number four. Number four. God promised, I will always be with you. This is a really important promise that God makes to lots of people throughout the Bible. Um, and he, he, may, he makes that promise to um, Isaac. And to Moses, he made that promise to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And he makes that promise to us. Towards the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, I will always be with you to the very end of the age. It's really good news, isn't it? To know that Jesus is always with us. When we face a challenge, it's always good to have the right person with us, isn't it? So I'm going to read out some challenges I know that some things are actually quite difficult to do. And I want you to tell me which of these people would be the best person... Which of these people will be the best person to have with you when you're facing each of these challenges. So, we've got a mountaineer from Nepal. We've got a, a teacher from Japan. We've got a chef from Scotland. And we've got a car mechanic from Italy. Okay, so... Here are the challenges, and they might be a little bit cryptic. I'm, I'll try and avoid giving you too many clues, but the first one, you've got to make a haggis. Who would you have with you, or who would you want with you to help you if you had to make a haggis? Are you facing that challenge? Can you guess, or do I need to give you a clue? Ha- Tawana. The chef. The chef. Did you know that a haggis is something... to bit off point, but do you know what's in a haggis? It's heart, liver, lungs, oats, and herbs, all wrapped up in a sheep's stomach. And they eat it in Scotland. It's actually very nice, but probably more difficult to try even than spinach. So a haggis... (laughs) You'd want a chef from Scotland. It's a national dish of Scotland. What if you had to change the oil on a Ferrari? Who would you want to help you change the oil on a Ferrari? What do you reckon, Jack? A car mechanic. And uh, Ferraris are beautiful Italian cars, so a car mechanic from Italia, Italy would be the perfect person to help you with that. What if the challenge you faced was to reach the summit of Mount Everest? Who would you most want to have with you if you were going to do that, Isabel, who would you have with you? The mountaineer. Where, where's Mount Everest? Do you know? Do you know, Caitlin? Scotland. It's not in Scotland. No, it's in a place called Nepal. And it's the highest mountain in the world. So obviously, if you're going to climb that mountain, you'd want a mountaineer from Nepal with you. Okay, last one. Your challenge is you've got to read this. Can anyone read this? Who would you want by your side to help you to read this? A oh. Japanese teacher. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, then? I reckon you might know this. A Japanese teacher. Yes, because this is Japanese. I can't read it. But have a guess what it says. Can anyone have a total guess what it says? I think you might know, Isabel, so that would be uh, cheating a bit. <laughs> James. Oh, you've got the script as well, so you're cheating. (laughs) Okay. You're going to surprise me there, James, and I thought you could read Japanese. It says, I will always be with you. I will always be with you. So when we face challenges... It's good to have the right person with us alongside us. But the best person to have with us, no matter what challenge we're facing in life, is who? Is God, and even more specifically, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the most loving, caring, powerful, knowledgeable, capable, resourceful person that we could ever know. The Bible tells us that the whole world is made through Jesus. Jesus was and is God, and he promises to be with us always. Now, I've got to be honest. I'm not very confident that I could make a haggis or change the oil on a Ferrari or scale Mount Everest or read Japanese. But you know, I think if I had the right person there with me, I could have a pretty good crack at any of those things. And Israel didn't have much confidence that they could defeat the Canaanites, but they knew that if God was with them, then no one could stand against them. And the difficult things that God asks us to do as Christians, we're not confident that we can do those things, but we are confident in Jesus who is with us. And sometimes, especially as adults, life can become so hard that we're not confident that we can keep our heads above water. We're not confident that we can go on doing what we're doing. Uh, Sometimes life can be completely overwhelming. We've all felt like that at some stage, haven't we? When the task ahead just seems too big and too daunting. And that is when we must cling to Jesus' promise I will always be with you to the very end of the age. Three times God tells Joshua in those nine verses. Three times he tells him, be strong and courageous. And I think that's because Joshua probably wasn't feeling very strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a wonderful assurance that is. But there's one more thing. God gives Joshua a tip, if you like, something to keep him on track, something to enable him to be strong and courageous. He says, or God says this to Joshua, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now Joshua only had the law of Moses, which is contained in the first five books of the Bible. But there are actually 66 different books in the Bible, and we've got the whole lot. And I think God would say the same to us. We must live according to God's word. We must read the, the God's word and try and live by it. Um, if we depart from God's word, then we can uh, make our lives difficult and complicated, Caleb and I um, have climbed Mount Flinders a couple of times and when you get near the top, there's a, a rocky ridgeline and you have to go straight down the middle of this rocky ridgeline. If you come off it to the right or to the left, you come off the route and the route becomes very difficult and dangerous. So there are spiky, uh, prickly bushes, there are uh horrible-looking spiders with huge, thick webs. There are loose stones, and probably most dangerous of all, there are some quite big drops, some cliffs that go down either side. So you've got to stay right in the middle of that route. And it's a bit like that with God's Word, the Bible. If we read the Bible and we live our lives by it, then uh, we can save ourselves all kinds of problems. And ultimately, we will arrive safely at our destination. That doesn't mean that life will be easy. There'll be challenges. There'll be heartache. There'll be uh, difficult situations to deal with. But holding to God's word can prevent us from making some huge mistakes in life. And it will enable us by clinging on to God's word, clinging on to God's promises, especially the one where he said, I will always be with you and enable us to fulfill the purpose that God has for our lives. God called Joshua to a very difficult task. But he promised to be with him and he told him to obey the law of Moses. And you know what? God calls us to some very difficult tasks. But God promises to be with us. Jesus promises to be with us and he's given us his word, the Bible, to guide us, to keep us on track. Not only that, but he gives us his Holy Spirit that we've been looking at and learning about over the last few weeks. Jesus is with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us in life, no matter what we face. Father, we recognize life can can be difficult. It can be tough. We face some very challenging situations and often you've called us into those situations you've called us to face challenges we pray that we'll keep sight of this fact that you are with us you've filled us with your holy spirit filled the church with your spirit you've given us your word to guide us and help us father help us to be aware of your loving presence in our life and help us to be obedient to your call on each one of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.